Now, I don't know if you've caught the past several episodes or not, but they're well worth checking out. Of the past three, one of them is the most downloaded of Midlife Mastery, and that's Normalizing Emotion with Joe Gerstan. Phenomenal episode where we really get into some of the challenges middle-aged people face around loneliness, isolation, lack of connection, and even just feeling alone in our problems and what we can start doing about it. But the episode that's actually had gotten the most comments, the most people just reaching out to me saying, hey, Brock, I love that episode, was the last one we did, and it's called Find What Makes You Happy. It's with Terry Murphy. And Terry is he's not a consultant. He's not an author. He is just a normal guy who's in his 60s. He sold his business, packed his life onto a bicycle, and is currently touring around America. And as he keeps going, he'll expand and hopefully get over into Europe and be able to, to cycle around Europe as well. And it's just such a great story and a great approach to life. As he really talks about, you know, that idea of life short, find what makes you happy, go do it. And now not everyone's about to sell their everything they own, load up a bicycle and start pedaling. But the principles behind it, I think, really resonate with a lot of people. And it's also, it's a great story. I mean, how often do you get to meet someone who is doing just that, who's living their dream and pursuing what will make them happy? So anyway, I really encourage you, invite you to, to check out those episodes. But for today, we are talking with Tiffany Eckert. And Tiffany really discusses the benefits of midlife talks about a framework for managing your mind, and that applies in, well, really everything that we're doing in our world, how we can create a future from our future. Now, that, that sounds a little bit weird, but it makes sense when we talk about it. So I encourage you to get in there and dig in and figure out what that's about, because it's so much different than trying to create a future from our past. We talk about rebooting our lives and also just the how and why of journaling as a first step in all of this. So I love this conversation, really, really enjoyed it. And I think you will too. As always, if you would, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast and other people learn from and be able to share it. So anyway, if you would, that would be great. Share it with those that you know who would benefit. Email it to them, send them the link, whatever. And also, let me know what you think. I love it when people reach out to me and say, hey, that, that was a great podcast. Loved hearing from that guest. Love that topic. Really, really open to and wanting all of your thoughts and feedback. So anyway, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started and talk to Tiffany a bit. So welcome to Midlife Mastery. This is, of course, Brock Edwards. And today's guest is Tiffany Eckert. And Tiffany, um, why don't you just introduce yourself? Okay, great. Um, my name is Tiffany Eckhart. I am, uh, I like to say I'm the master of reinvention and I am a certified life coach helping midlife women believe that their best years are ahead. So that's how I spend most of my time, but I also have a lot of interest, uh, gardening and fitness and wellness. And so I, I tie all of that into what I do. Master of reinvention that now that's a bold statement. It's true though. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. Have a, I have a notebook of business cards that I've had over the last 50 years. And um, I have tried just about everything that came around. Um, I had a drive through coffee shop once. I was a realtor. I homeschooled my children. Um, 
Let's see what else. Um, I was an antique dealer for almost 10 years. I had my own store here in Burton, Texas. So um, I am really good at taking daring steps. Now I don't always win. <laughs> I fail a lot, but that's okay. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to like learn from all the things that didn't go perfect. So how have you known when it was time for a change? Uh, usually it was pretty obvious. Um, real estate was uh, very painful. <laughs> it was 2008 when the market crashed and uh, yes. I was spending more money advertising homes than I was selling homes. And foreclosures were like short sales and all that stuff was what we were getting. And at one point, my husband said, you know, you just can't keep doing this, right? <laughs> He's usually the indication that I need to stop because I'm pretty determined and headstrong and want things to work out. But, you know, in that situation, it was time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I asked that question a lot, actually, because I think it's only obvious in retrospect. Be yeah. Because you never know when is it, if I just hang in here for, you know, one more month, it's all coming together versus it now would be a really good time to not be doing this anymore. And, and I don't think there's any right answer. I, I've asked a lot of people that because I'm curious myself and it, it's only in retrospect that, you know, it makes any sense at all. One of the things you mentioned is, you know, helping midlife women believe their best years are ahead. So, so let's talk about midlife. I mean, that's what this show is about. And I chose not quite arbitrarily to define midlife as kind of 50s, 60s and beyond. Now, mathematically, I know that few of us, you know, go 120, 130. It's not really middle, but it seems to be the time of life that it's, it's uh, ripe for reinvention, and it's, you know, and there's not many resources that I found for like, how do you be a 50 year old, you know, because I turned 50 and in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s, there was all kinds of books and guides and instruction, you know, my, my daughter's college age now, my son's in high school, they get a lot of guidance on how to mm -hmm. be a successful college student, high school student, all that. But, you know, it just seems like you kind of get to this point in your life and, I don't know. It's like the world figures you haven't figured out or you're done and they don't need to give you any more instruction. And so, yeah. but it's not really how I feel about my life. Like I'm not done. And so I love the idea that best years are ahead. I'm horrified by the idea of peaking and, and, you know, just looking back on my glory days, I always want my glory days to be ahead. So this is a really, really long introduction to the question of from your perspective, what, what are the gifts of being midlife? I mean, like we, if you made it to this far, you know, there's some downsides, but there's downsides to any life stage. So what are some of the gifts that come with, you know, hitting your fifties and beyond? Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> there really is so many, um, you know, about your twenties and thirties. I mean, it's almost like we're given a guidebook, like you said, and, and everybody is really wanting to tell you how you should live your life. Right. Right. And it's like when you, when your kids leave home and you're an empty nester and you're facing retirement, a lot of people I talk to just feel like they're putting, they're being put out to pasture, you know, it's like, but I don't see it that way at all. I see it as a total gift of uh, financial freedom. And you may not be rich, but at this point you've figured out money and um, you have more money. Like I remember 
when my husband and I were first married and uh, we, he was in the air force, we bounced a checkbook and there was like $15 left for two weeks and we would go get pizza. You know, it's like, <laughs> we don't do stupid stuff like that anymore. You know, like, and we, we've learned. And so there's financial freedom, there's um, time freedom. I mean, at this point in your life, you know, like Terry that you interviewed in the last podcast, you, you're wide open. You can do what you want to do at this point in your life. Um, but a lot of people just spend their time sad, you know, you know, missing their kids or whatever. And, um, I don't see it that way at all. Like we, we had the experience of our kids moving out and then they moved back in and messed up our nest and then they moved out and then they moved back in. And so this went on for about 10 years. And now um, I love my autonomy. You know, I love the time freedom. And, and then, of course, the failure freedom, um, because, you know, at this point, I don't know, there's still people that, that fear failure, but I don't, you know, like, I, I've failed enough times by now that I know it's not going to kill me. <laughs> it's, it's not as um, fatal as it used to be, you know, it's not part of my identity anymore. And, uh, so, you know, your identity is whatever you want to make it. So at this point, you know, you might, might as well make it fun, you know, and do things that stir your soul and make you feel alive. And, you know, that's something that I think we, we don't realize, or, or often we don't, or we forget about it or don't take the time to do it. I'm not sure what it is, but the idea that our identity changes throughout life, you know, as, as we age, as we go through different stages, our identity can and should change. And I think that's one of the things about midlife that makes it more challenging if we don't realize that because there, there aren't any triggers. And, and what, what I mean by that is, um, you know, you, you get out of high school, you either go into a career or you start college. Uh, you, you know, you at some point you get married, you, you know, buy a house. There's all these like life stage triggers along the way. And then as you kind of mentioned by this time, you, you've kind of done all that. And there's yeah. no, there, there's no, nothing to make you sit back and go, wait a minute, I need to rethink how my life could be right now. And it's easy to get stuck in, in old habits. Um, and yet it's so powerful when we do step back and, and rethink it. So uh, for you kind, kind of what, if, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your journey, what were the triggers for you that made you kind of reassess where you were and, and create this midlife identity that's so powerful for you? Well, um, I define midlife like you do at 50, but I have to tell you and be honest that uh, my husband and I had a crisis at 40 because <laughs> we were young parents and so our kids were leaving and the market crash at 2008, all that. We got the Harley, we did it all. I mean, we <laughs> and, and the problem with that, trigger of a midlife crisis, which usually people think about midlife as a crisis, um, you still have your problems when you get back home. So um, we would ride to the Blue Ridge Mountains and come back and face it all, you know, still, it's still there. We didn't, we didn't somehow miss it. So um, for me, when I got serious about, you know, making this second half of my journey amazing, is I had a horrible surgery and, um, I, you know, it's, it was a long recovery and I thought I am, I am not going to be this in, in the second, I'm not going to doctors all the time and I'm doing all that stuff. So I dove into wellness, like 
you know, I don't do anything halfway. So (laughs) I learned everything I could about toxins and everything. And so that led to one thing led to another. And, um, you know, it was during that time we had to close my store because of, you know, it, there's a lot of reasons why we had to close the store, but, um, so, uh, you know, some people might've saw it as a crisis. My friends looking in might've saw me like overreacting to life. But, um, in one year, I think it was 2019, I went to two Tony Robbins events and I signed up for the life coach school (laughs) because I was like, I'm not the only one out there that's trying to figure this out. And, you know, I, I'm a growth junkie. Like I devour books and, um, you know, I was reading all this good stuff and I was like, there's no reason why I can't help people. So one thing when I had my antique store that always rubbed me a little bit was I would drive from Texas to Ohio and back bringing antiques down for my store. And I, you know, live my life on Facebook. So pictures and stories from the road and all this stuff was part of my, you know, my stick. And people would say to me all the time, Oh, thank you so much for posting all these pictures. I'm living vicariously through you. (laughs) And I was like, why you have a truck, you could get a truck, you go rent a truck, go, go do it. You know, I just never understood. Um, so when, as I started, you know, following the works of Tony Robbins and some of these other great, you know, amazing authors. I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, with the life coach school, you learn how to con- you manage your mind. And once you learn that there's nothing you can't do. So this may be a bigger topic than we can cover here, but um, how do you manage your mind? So what, what was your big takeaway what, that you were able to put into place? Okay. So it's almost like a formula. Okay. So any circumstance that we have in our life is neutral. There's probably a million different ways to think about it. We give that circumstance meaning by the thoughts that we think. And whatever thought we're thinking produces a feeling. And however we feel is how we show up in life and how we behave, which produces our results. So you can always tie your results to a thought. It's easier to see on paper if you're visual, but, (laughs) but trust me, I have tested this theory out. um, And of course, um, for Castillo, the life coach school has been doing this for 10, 15 years. I've tested it out. I mean, like it seriously helped me in every area of my life, relationships, you know, things I used to get upset about. Um, I, I see now like the way I think about it and the way it makes me feel and the way I act usually doesn't give me the results I want. <laughs> All right. So let me just make sure I, I have this right. So um, starts with thoughts, your thoughts, create your feelings, your feelings, mm-hmm. create your actions, your actions, create your results. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting the results you want, you go upstream and change the thoughts. Right. But we think um, the circumstance is what makes us feel a certain way. We think, um, I can't think of a good example, but um, I don't know. We we think that uh, we're overweight. And so, you know, women will say, oh, I'll never make my ideal weight. Well, 
yeah, if you start feeling defeated and you start going to eat that chocolate cake instead of exercising, <laughs> you're never going to lose that weight, right? <laughs> Your weight is neutral. It, it doesn't make you feel any way. It's what you think about it. Does that make right. sense? It does. It does. Um, so, so let's tie this to the idea of living intentionally. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. we were talking about like intentionally creating our identity. Right. And if you're going to focus on creating a, a different set of thoughts in order to get different feelings, to take different actions, get different results. Um, how, let's see, I, where, where does one start if they want to live intentionally? So when you're working with your clients and, and providing guidance, um, where do you begin? Well, you start um, digging into what they really believe. So what we believe is what we have thought habitually, you know? And so we have, they say, you know, I don't know how they measure this, but they say we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% of them are the ones that we had yesterday. So it's really easy to see, start seeing patterns and see how they, um, you, sometimes it's easy, it's just as easy just to ask them how they, how they feel, you know, how are you feeling? And then we're, then we can figure out what thought is causing that feeling. Um, but to get really clear about um, what actually is going on in your mind at the moment, you know, and, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time in your past because I believe creating your future from your future is way better, but Ooh, um, let, let me stop right there. Creating your future from your future. I like that. Explain more. Okay. This is one of my favorite topics. Um, we base on what it, what's possible in our future based on what we have been able to do in our past. That's what typically people do. Sure. My past got me to today. From today, I'm looking at my future, basing it on past results. Okay. Right. But what if um, that is hindering you from creating the future that you really want? So I help my clients visualize who that person is five years from now, or even at the end of this year. And we talk about her, we talk about him, you know, like what, what are they doing? What, what, um, how are they feeling? What's important to them? Who are they hanging around with? And what skill do you need to develop in the present time right now so that that future self it will actually be experiencing what you want to create? Does that make sense? It does. Why does that tend to tend to work better? Because we limit ourselves based on the past and a lot of times there's a lot of limiting beliefs associated with failure and things that didn't go the way we planned. Um, you know, people, Oh, I'll never get ahead or, you know, like those kind of thoughts, you're not going to create from those thoughts, right? You're not, you're not going to be able to create from that headspace. You have to create by visualizing what it is that you want, you know, in the future. Um, so so how- I don't know if I answered that well, but, uh, you know, I just really feel like sometimes when we live in the past, we can't envision a future. Yeah. 
Certainly, if we're if we're looking backwards, it's hard to look forward at the same time, um, and it is easy to get anchored by the past and um, what they've taught, what the past has taught us to believe about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do we do to? Because I, I like thinking about the future. I like thinking about a better future. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we? That, what's the next step? How do we help make that real versus just getting stuck in a in a fantasy world? Well, there's lots of things that you can do, but really I always go back to thoughts. Like let's create thoughts that will serve your future. You know, like if you believe that based on, let's say your grades in high school, that you'd never be able to go back to college. How do you know that to be true based from, I mean, are you basing it solely on the past? So you just have to change. um, No, I don't. I don't say change your thoughts. I say, be curious about them, like question Mm -hmm. them. Is that, is that really true? (laughs) Or is that something I'm just like programmed my mind and our mind is fascinating. Like I could talk for days about what goes on in our minds. I mean, it's just, it blows me away, but anything that we believe our mind is going to find evidence for. So if you truly believe that you're never going to make your ideal weight, you're going to find evidence for that. So you have to change that thought to like, for me, when I started doing fitness, I hated exercising. That's the story I told myself my whole life. I hate exercise. I'm no good at it. (laughs) So I had to like practice little, little thoughts until I could actually say, honestly, I love exercising. I had a similar experience with running. I'm fascinated by identity and how we set and how we can change our identity. And um, this is just a time in my life where running made sense for me, even though I never thought of myself as a runner. I was, you know, I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. So I just started thinking about it. I just decided to find myself as a runner. Like I'm a runner. What, what, what do runners do? Well, they run. So you know, I'd find myself in this. So I was living in Indiana. It was January at the time. And, <laughs> you know, so, so what is, what does Brock the non-runner do at six in the morning when it's time to get up and go for a run and 20 degrees outside? And well, you stay in bed. What does a runner do? Runner gets up and runs. So I found myself getting up and running and it just reinforced that, that identity, you know, the behavior reinforced the identity, the identity reinforced the behavior. Um, and, and I guess I've always been fascinated by that ever since. And turns out I like running. Uh, I'm still not all that good at it, but but I like it a lot better these days. So I guess I just try and think. You know, when, when you're you you mentioned really helping others believe that their best lives are ahead. So I, I really like that mission. I appreciate that mission. Where do we tend to get stuck? Like, why don't we just automatically believe that? Because right now, I'll tell you, my daughter in college, she definitely believes best years are ahead. Like she, you know, she's looking forward to life, and yet we get to be kind of, you know. And the older demographic, and that's not always true. Uh, true for a lot of people, but not true for everyone. And, and so where, where do we tend to get stuck? Well, society tells us certain things, you know, like, oh, you're once you turn 50, your house going to go downhill. You know, you're going to spend a lot of time at the doctors. If you choose to buy into that, <laughs> then guess what? You're going to spend a lot of time at the doctor's we get in our own way. You know, I think sometimes we believe our own BS. (laughs) 
you know, I would say, so I, you know, I've had, I've had clients say to me, um, Oh, I'm just too old to, to reach my ideal weight. I just think it's silly for me to even want to. Mm. So we again explore that, you know, like why, or, you know, Oh, I'm just not brave enough to travel across the country to go buy antiques. Why, why are you, why are you declaring that you're not brave enough? You know, um, but at midlife, I guess it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people assume that their health is going to decline. They're going to be bored. Oh, we have so many family members. This really freaked me out. We have so many family members that refuse to retire because they're going to be bored. And they retire and then they go back to work and I can't get, I can't understand that. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. If I was, you know, if if we were at a point where Jeff and I were financially able to retire, we would not be bored. (laughs) We would have so much fun and we look forward to that day. But, um, you know, we don't, we're not ones to sit and watch TV either. So like, you know, um, my mom always says, well, I had awesome role models, by the way, my parents, um, my dad turned 70 and they hike, they both have their interests. My mom's an awesome quilter. My dad has a million and one hobbies. Like, um, have you ever heard of the term, um, multi-potentialite? No, I love it. Tell me about it. You that. should look that up. There's a girl named Emily that did a Ted talk on it. And um, people that have that have kind of flitted through life from one thing to another see it as like a bad thing. But when you look in hindsight, you can see how everything has kind of built upon each other, you know, in weird ways. Like it doesn't seem like the coffee house and the real estate and the antiques would go together. But I learned a lot about customer service and all of us. You know, it's like... Um, Anyways, my dad is a multi-potentialite, like he's done it all. But um, a lot of people don't have that role model, you know, like that role model that, um, you know, they don't, they don't have a lot of expectations, you know, that, that it could be fun and enjoyable. Well, that is a different way to think about it, isn't it? I mean, to even just start asking, you know, what could be fun about midlife? What could be enjoyable about midlife? Mm -hmm. What, what, I mean, we're talking about, but you know, for the individual to ask, what could be the gifts that midlife right. ha- has brought me? I mean, we're all in different places, but it, it is certainly a different focus than, you know, time to put my life on pause till I die, um, which, which <laughs> well, I have the same reaction, but um, that, that does seem to be a, a fairly consistent message, I think, throughout society. Um, you know, even retirement being thought of as, well, I guess you go sit in your chair all day, so you're going to be bored versus, no, I mean, it's it's another stage, another adventure, different options. Well, uh, I would also like to throw out that um, if you look hard enough, you can find evidence of what you want to believe, right? So mm-hmm. I went searching for people that did what I want to do with the second half of my life. And there's some like major people, okay, the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy, Colonel Sanders, he didn't get his business going. I don't remember six until he's sixty, something like that. Something like yeah. that. Um, Martha Stewart, she was in her forties when she launched her business. Um, 
there, I mean, there's just a lot when you go digging, but you have to be intentional about it, right? You have to like want to, to believe that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and so that loops us back around to this, this theme of being intentional about life. Well, let's talk about rebooting. I mean, that's part of being intentional, right? I mean, like you're, 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 to me, a reboot is it's intentional in that I've decided that what I was doing, I don't want to do anymore. And I, and I want to shift. I want to go do something else. And is there a particular process that you help people or a way that you help people reboot? I mean, is there a, a path, a framework, or is it different for everyone? I think it's different for, my, for everyone because not everybody's in the same place. You know, like a lot of people, well, for women, if, if they're, still have kids at home, you know, they obviously still have responsibilities, you know, like they can't just decide in their forties. <laughs> I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, but, uh, and there's, there's like, I mean, there's, there's probably more action steps on, you know, on tactical stuff that I mean, we could talk about, but you have to have like this, desire and um you know if you want to be intentional you have to know exactly what you want and so we spend a lot of time defining what the reboot's going to look like <laughs> that future self and um creating thoughts that will serve it we also identify the obstacle thoughts and how are we going to react when when you know you know yourself really well so uh when things get hard how are you going to react what, what are you going to think? So we define what we were, we're going, we choose thoughts intentionally, but we also acknowledge that there'll be obstacles and how are we going to, and we'll, we make strategies on how we're going to get past the obstacles, you know, but just having a clear vision of, um, you know, what, what it is you want. It doesn't always have to be about business. Although that's what I, you know, I'm always business focused, but, um, you know, some people learn new things. Like, I don't know, like my dad learned how to use an, a ham radio. <laughs> when the Puerto Rico um, hurricane happened, they sent him to Puerto Rico to operate the ham radio. So like, I mean, it That's can be awesome. anything, you know, I mean, it just can be anything. You know, I, I like this idea of identifying the, the obstacle thought because it's so easy to get so I, you know, to get fired up about this future self, the, the, who I'm going to be and completely ignore the reality of, right. but I still have my life and my circumstances and my habits and everything. I mean, because we know that our lives are perfectly 100% set up to support who we are right now today. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they weren't, we'd be something else, someone else. Um, so that strikes me as being pretty powerful to be able to identify that in advance and already have a, a plan to deal with it. Uh, but speaking of obstacle thoughts, other people are kind of familiar with who they think we are as well. And so when we start making those, those changes, particularly, you know, when we're not teenagers anymore and when life is fairly stable, what's been your approach to, to helping people, you know, deal with otherwise well-meaning friends and family who are really comfortable with who we are and not who we're evolving to be my favorite thought on that is other people's opinion of me is none of my business (laughs) that sounds harsh but it 
it really is true. And you know, another thing about other people's opinion, they're really not thinking about you. (laughs) They're only judging themselves. And, you know, sometimes what we assume other people are thinking about us, one is not true. They're not thinking that, but it's what we fear is true about us. So if our relatives think we're crazy, or let's say they just don't even say it. Let's just say we're assuming they think we're crazy. Okay. We actually fear that we are crazy. So that's why, like, when I start worrying about other people's opinion, <laughs> I'm like, first of all, they're probably not thinking about me. And uh, if they are, it it's it's usually in relation to what they think about themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really not about me anyway. (laughs) And then if I really have like a confrontation about the direction of my life is going, you know, I tell them that that's their thoughts that they need to work through, not mine. (laughs) You know, like I, I can't manipulate somebody to, to be in support of my choices. I, I have to love who I am and what I'm doing. And if I love that, and you know, if I'm totally committed to that and like my reasons, it really shouldn't matter. So shouldn't matter. Yes. Just, just thinking through, uh, like, like, like I say that this evolution and and yes, we, we should be able to just Put other people's thoughts on hold, and, and some days that's uh, easier than, than others' days. And let, let me ask: Is there a typical client that shows up in your world, or is there a common theme that runs through you know the people that that come to you to work with you to really you know create this amazing second half? Yeah, it's usually not me. <laughs> it's usually not the person that that is exactly like me. So it's been fun. Like it's been challenging sometimes, but, um, I've had a couple women that were newly divorced and, you know, I can't actually relate to what they're physically going through, but I can help them. I can help them by showing them their mind. Mm -hmm. I can help them by showing them the thoughts that aren't serving them. And I can help them create thoughts. I don't create them for them. They create thoughts. So I've had that. And, um, you know, empty nesters. And I mean, just like you would think, you know, you know, women that are like thinking about starting something new or like a little worried about what their life's going to look like, you know, when the kids are gone and they're alone in the house with their husband and they're too retired, you know, like, I don't know. Um, that just seems to be what I, what I attract. Um, I, I haven't coached men. I'm not opposed to it, but, um, I, you know, I, I like to coach people that are kind of in the same boat, kind of like, I, I like to coach from, Oh yeah, I've been there before. I can tell you this. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. And, and I'm speaking from just the barest of anecdotal evidence, uh, just as I look around, Women in midlife seem to have a different approach than men in midlife and in in a way that that kind of surprised me. And obviously this isn't all women and it's not all men. So I don't, (laughs) I'm not trying to overgeneralize or or stereotype, 
But there does seem to be this kind of moment, I think, perhaps, and you can tell me if I'm on track or not, but it's almost like it is more of a trigger point of it's time to reinvent. Kids are out of the house, kind of wondering, you know, what what to do with time. Um, Actually, maybe for the first time in in life, being able to focus on self versus on Mm -hmm. others. Yes. And with men, it just seems to be, you know, it's another day. You know, I was in my 40s, not in my 50s. My my life hasn't changed as much, perhaps. Um, So as a a consequence, it it seems like uh, many women are much more engaged in in midlife and focused on creating a fabulous midlife, whereas the guys seem quieter. And and I don't know, just an observation, and that's based on social media mostly. But Well, let's um, hope you can change that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because I... I, I mean, you know, preaching to the choir, I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who are midlife and and loving it and having a great time. And But like we started this conversation with, there doesn't seem to be a lot of instruction. And so much of it does seem to be about getting intentional about it and, and really seeing the gifts in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe some days those gifts are hard to see just because, you know, we're, we're in our habits of who we used to be versus in trying to redefine who we, who we want to be and who we could be. Um, well, that seems like a, a, a fairly good place to, to wrap up here. Um, so I, I guess the final question for you here is just, well, actually, I have a couple of final questions, but, but so, so we'll go with this one first. <laughs> what advice would you have to someone who, who's listening to this and going, yeah, I'm ready for change. This makes sense to me. Where do they get started? Yeah. Um, journal. That's where I would start. Okay. I, I recommend journaling to everybody. Do what we call a thought download. Like put out like... Okay, so I know I've heard lots of people tell me they hate journaling because of time, but I, a lot of people are afraid people are going to read what they write. <laughs> yeah, so um, you don't have to keep it. You can throw it away. You can burn it, whatever. But the process of taking the thoughts out of your head and putting them on paper and writing them, there's something that it gives you clarity you can go back and say, Oh my gosh, I was thinking that like, so I, I always recommend, you know, the first thing to do is start doing thought downloads in a journal on a daily basis. You know, you could just, just a couple things, you know, like if you don't want to do the whole thought download, um, start by doing three, the, the Trinity thoughts, um, something that you're proud of for women. It's hard because we're, we're kind of taught not to be proud of our things. So like something that you're proud of, something that you're grateful, which is different than pride. It's like, you're truly grateful that the weather was awesome or you're truly grateful. You know, we had a great day, whatever. And then what do you desire? So those three thoughts, you know, if you just did those on the, on a daily basis, Today, I'm proud that I wrote a blog article today. (laughs) I'm grateful that I got to talk to you. This is really fun. And um, I desire to learn Spanish. And heck, I'm going to keep plugging away at it. You know, like that kind of trains your brain to like 
look for things that you could write about. But yeah, if you if you could get clear on what's going in on stirring in your soul, <laughs> that's the first step really is just to get get an idea of what's going on in there. To wrap up then. Uh, so so first step journaling and, and I also I I appreciate that it, it, it sounds reasonable. And what I mean by reasonable is it's not what is the thing I am most proud of in my entire life, but no. it's, it can be something today. much simpler, like today. Yeah. Um, that, that makes it easier. Um, and, and gratitude, same thing, you know, all those things, same thing. It, it's just, it, it's not about the ultimate. It's just about where am I at right now? Mm-hmm. Um, well, where can people find you? So if people want to learn more about you or what you do, what's the best place to track you down? Um, my website, it's www.to, the number two, flownthecoop.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook too, the same, to Flown the Coop. Um, I spend a lot of time on Instagram, but I, I write a, a blog article once a week. So it's always on a topic similar to this. Nice. Very good. Well, that seems like a a good place to wrap up. So thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank thank you. you. This has been fantastic. It has been so fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.